So how are you nowadays? What's what's up? Yeah, man, I'm I'm doing good. So um, as you know, I spend probably 90% of my life not in my house. So if I'm either I'm at work or if I'm not at work, then I'm usually in your bar or someone else's bar drinking or I'm out eating or I'm traveling in the old days or whatever. So this is a, a new world for me. I'm at home all the time. I'm cooking. I clean. My uh, beautiful wife, Yuki, recently learned how to do vacuuming. Yuki's Normally I do sister. the vacuuming. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we're having a kind of a home life right now. So it's a new experience for me. I haven't done it since I was a kid. You know, I think um, right now, I don't know when we're going to uh, launch this podcast, but right now we are in the uh, middle of fifth pandemic. Yeah, fifth wave. Yeah, fifth exactly. wave. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, time spent with the family, which is, I think it's a good thing, I guess, right? Like usually, um, I know you for a couple of years, you always travel around the world and, you know, like going different cities. Uh, for your work, um, sometimes maybe pleasure. I don't <laughs> <laughs> eating and drinking, eating, eating and, and drinking, yeah, eating yeah, and drinking. Yeah. Um, but this time, I think since 2020, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, you still did travel. Actually, I this is something I really wanted to ask. Um, offline, I did not, but I think like right now, like you are the one person that I see. Even this time, you have traveled twice. Three times. Three times, two times. Okay, we, we'll, 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 we'll come back to that later. So, but right now, a lot of time at home, you're cooking. Uh, what kind of food do you like? That's, uh, what kind of food? Yeah, because I saw I you like? posted, you just everywhere. You yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So I eat every kind of food, like any kind of food. I think there's nothing I don't eat. Um, my nothing? Well... Uh, how about the, those, uh, the Filipino eggs? Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, those, I love what it. They, what they call? Balut. Balut, yeah. Yeah, yeah I balut. eat it every time I'm in Philippines. I tried once. I tried it's once. delicious. But the best way to eat it is like maybe 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, middle of the night, you're kind of drunk, you go on the street, there's some really dodgy looking guy cooking this up fresh, you queue up, you get the balut, you break the top, you pour in a little bit of vinegar, you drink it, and then you eat the whole thing down. It's Damn, just delicious. The, yeah. the first time I saw that was pretty... Intense, but yeah, is is I'm sure is a, is a great food in back in the Philippines, and a lot of people they eat here as well. Yeah, um, this is something that there are so many food uh, in our country also that it's kind of out of the world, which you don't eat. Uh, I, I I I mean <laughs> I, I I eat uh, I, I don't eat pork and beef uh, right, mostly, right, right. but the rest I I eat, I eat mm. everything, whatever I can yeah. get. That's I want to try. Yeah. I want to try. So yeah, um, so which one would you say you like all types of food, right? I saw your post when you were in Paris. I've been to um, quite a few places that I've, I really wanted to try, man. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, when we were in Paris, we mixed it up. So I'd say 50% of the time, we just follow our instinct, drop in any lovely little bistro or brasserie nearby. We just go in and try whatever. And then the other 50%, I kind of research pretty carefully. And what I'm always trying to find is not like the typical Michelin, Michelin, fantasy. Fancy, fancy. I want to find the things that really represent what people would eat if they lived there, or maybe they come from that neighborhood, or that you know. Uh, of course, I want to have delicious and outstanding food, but it doesn't have to mean expensive or classy, right? Um, so we, you know, we tried a lot of things. We went to a restaurant that's uh, over 150 years old, serving really only. Where was it? It's uh, right next to um, Notre Dame, just across from Notre Dame. 150 years old restaurant. Yeah. Don't tell me the same recipe and same plates and same like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the guys who work there are 152. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> same recipe, same thing. Basically, they make roast duck. That's their main thing. They have other dishes. Roast duck in roast Europe. Duck, whole roast duck. Yeah, just like what we eat in Hong Kong. But French style a roast duck on rotisserie, that means a spinning. So if you imagine back like, you know, a thousand years ago, people are fighting wars and stuff. And they would go out and get their bow and arrows, shoot a duck, and then get a rotisserie and roast it and spin it around. These guys are doing the modern equivalent of this till now. Uh, for the last 150 years, and it was amazing. It's absolutely delicious, yeah. So what they eat with the roast duck? Uh, they eat rice or bread? No, no, no rice. Uh, actually, I don't know what we ate with the roast duck. It, it was a whole duck, uh, two, just two people. I think it's supposed to be for like six or four. Yeah. So we mostly just ate all the duck. But they serve it in different courses. So the first course, you get a huge breast or crispy on the top. And then second course, you get like the legs and the back part of the duck cooked in uh, mustard sauce. And it was, no, because uh, usually um, I see um, in, in Beijing, they serve you uh, in a sort of pancake. Is that pancake? Yes. Yeah, yeah, the pancake, yes. right? Yeah, at, in, in Hong Kong also same. Sometimes uh, they serve with, I saw somewhere this do with a waffle. Yeah, well, that's not duck, that, that's chicken. Usually, oh, you oh, could okay. have duck. Waffle. Actually, oh. I'm lying. Duck and waffle is duck famous from, oh, yeah, from yeah. London. Duck, right, yeah. Stupid yeah. me, yeah. <laughs> Originally from, duck and uh, waffle. yeah. Started down in uh, the Shard in uh, London, down uh, near the Docklands, and yeah. uh, was very famous there. Now they have a branch in Hong Kong, um, and the idea is that I think it's based on chicken and waffle, uh, which is a, a famous food from uh, from the U.S. Um, and basically, they're taking like a fried duck and serving it together with the waffle, and you pour the syrup over both of them and is eat it, it together. Good? It's That's delicious. delicious. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, no. yeah. We'll it's, fucking swear everything. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't dare to. Yuki will be so mad with me. Um, it's flipping delicious. But then we're not going to edit anything. That's the whole idea. Because the title is called Unfiltered, so there's nothing filtered. No but editing. you told me you were going to cut no, out the no, beginning part. No, no makeup. When I was talking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> because that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I forgot something. I didn't put my makeup. No, uh, yeah, that's that's thing is unfiltered. I told you, don't put any makeup. Okay, yeah, okay. No so I got it right. This is, by the way, this is unfiltered whiskey. It's no charcoal filter. Nothing. This filtered. is it says right here. Like I think, did I read that right? Uh, unchill filtered. So unchill I, I wouldn't have bought it if it was a filtered whiskey because it wouldn't fit on this show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, so can you just tell us about yourself? Like you know, like I think uh, a lot of people who's gonna listen. Uh, who's gonna watch? Like, what you do? Where you from? Because when I asked you the first time I met you, you told me you're from everywhere because you grew up in there, you studied there, and you 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 worked somewhere all over the places. But what do you like to call? Where you from? Like, you know, like yeah. So I'm I'm born in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and uh, spent the first two and a half years of my life there. Um, but sometimes it's challenging if I meet someone from Ireland, I say, oh, where are you from? I'm from Belfast. And they're like, why do you sound like Yeah, 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 that's right? how I'm saying. So, um, so yeah, I, I grew up in Hong Kong. I was an expat brat. came here in 1977. Uh, we lived in the Lee Garden Hotel. In, uh, lived in the Lee Garden Hotel? For the first six months or so when oh, we arrived okay, because our block of flat wasn't built. But I mention it because I work in the Lee Garden Hotel now, except it's not called Hotel anymore. It's called Lee Garden One, but it's the same building, same location. So the place I work in 2022 is where I lived in 1977, which is kind of wow. interesting. 1977. 1977. How was the Hong Kong back in the days? Uh, totally different and totally the same, if that makes sense. So it uh, it was the same in the sense of crazy energy, lots of things going on, mix of east and west, mix of, you know, uh, 
poor and rich business and, and street level all pushed together just like now. But it was more of the, the Wild East. You know, when they talk about cowboys in the Wild West, yes. it was like cowboys in the Wild East in those days. It was uh, very unregulated compared to now. I always remember when you used to get a tram or a bus, there, no, there was no concept of queuing, right? People didn't queue up for the bus or the tram or anything else in those days. You just all rushed to the place when the when the transport arrives, like a big bowl of people, and then you push and shove and kind of try to get your way through and just try to get on. And one time, I think in Happy Valley, I was trying to get on the tram. I was about five, six years old, maybe a little older. I had my little primary school school bag on, and I managed to get onto the tram. And suddenly, a minute later, I was lying on my back on the street, and I don't know what happened on my back. And then I look up, and there was a little old grandma and she had grabbed up and pulled me back and threw me onto the street to get onto the tram and then the tram <laughs> left. <laughs> that, that is a really wild east, wild east, wild east. You had to fight for your life in those days, man. You know, so, the dangerous and So you work in a league garden. Uh, what do you do, um, I mean, in terms of uh, work? Yeah, so I work for the NBA and then when uh, people hear that, they always think I'm really smart and yeah. I have to tell them, no, I mean NBA, not NBA. Right, as in the National Basketball Association. You know? No, I, I asked and, you, um, give me the, the jersey of Michael Jordan. I'm just well, we, we, we'll come to that in a minute. But, um, but uh, yeah, on, as you can see, I have the typical uh, body shape of a basketball player, which is why they came to find me. Um, I'm tall, slim, you know, very athletic. I can jump super high. You can do dunk. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. I, I, I have a video of me doing a dunk on my Instagram if you want to check it out. I really do. It's What's not your a Instagram? Maybe you can just share with it. <laughs> it. It's Spencer Douglas with two S's. Two S's. Two S's for Douglas, not for Spencer. It's not Spencer. It's Spencer Douglas. Douglas, as my friends like to say. The wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I work for MBA heading up programming and production, which basically means we support uh, regional partners across all of Asia to um, produce content around the live games and assist with the delivery and broadcast of the live games. So uh, it's kind of a weird So So uh, let me stop you. That's why I was like, so you guys don't shoot the video? We do. Oh, you, Sometimes, oh, okay, but okay. not the game. So, But it's just like arranging. So someone is shooting video. Let me, I just wanted to understand. In my, so someone's shooting a video in, in America and yeah. that's a live happening and you guys yeah. broadcast in, in Asia. No. That's how it works? No. Also, no. No. But basically, we just mess up. Well, for me personally, we just kind of mess around. And, you know. No, um, uh, how to explain? So imagine if you're sitting in Nepal. Yeah. In your, you know, um, my hometown, village, your village, village right? Yeah, yeah. And suddenly, like, someone from America is like, right, we're going to broadcast uh, NBA there. We've got a local TV partner. We're going to put NBA, right? And so you're sitting in your village house. You're watching, and it doesn't make any sense. It's like a bunch of giant men crashing into it, throwing stuff around, and some guy rabbiting on in a language you don't understand, right? So we would come in, and we would get the, the village chief to come on. And, no, really, but <laughs> we would get <laughs> a local commentator. Uh, we put together a studio show, and we basically set it up so you could enjoy a completely like uh, localized live version of the NBA that you could enjoy, something like that. And then we repeat that for like 13 different countries in Asia. In Asia? Yeah. I still don't understand. <laughs> so let's move on from away from NBA. No, so your work is a communication. Is it? Is, is What did you study? I Okay, let's Oh, go. what did I study? Yeah, what did I, you study? What is your master in? Um, uh, law, 
Yeah. And languages. Learn languages. How Very relevant, languages? right? How many languages <laughs> do you speak? Uh, this is a difficult question. I studied a lot of languages. How many I actually still speak is debatable. You have to ask them for each country. Um, but I would say, um, yeah, I originally studied uh, Dutch, French, um, and Norwegian. Uh, but I taught myself some uh, uh, Cantonese, and uh, I could read a reasonable amount of Swedish and Danish because they're similar to Norwegian. Yeah, um, my Dutch is still good. My French and my my French has become really bad, and um, even though I went to French International School in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong, right? Yeah. They are, so if if let's say uh, because the question I ask usually when people study. Uh, Engineer, they wanted to be engineer, right? I know there is some sort of study. So yeah. if someone wants to be like you, what they have to study? I believe. Let me tell you. Let me yeah. tell. Let me speak for you. Yeah, sure. You have to travel and be Spencer because yeah, no man. one can be like you. That's yeah, one thing. Come on, <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, it's a funny one. So me and my brother, I actually my formal degree is called European Studies, which means nothing. It was one of these random degrees they invented back in the '90s. Kind of sounds cool. Work in the European Union, and the reason I chose it is because you get an extra year to decide what you want to actually study. So you could take more subjects yeah. and zero in, like the American system, where you have like. Um, electives, majors, minors, and you gradually zero in on your main uh, qualification. So for me, I started very general, and then I locked into law and international law as my specialty because I got interest in that. But I didn't go to bar school. I didn't study anything further in that, so I have no further qualification in that area that allowed me to practice. So you can... Um you can fight for us if we have any. We getting in trouble. Oh, I can. I mean, not, I mean, with my, no, my no, physical body, the, the great shape. Yeah. I can come down. No, 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 no not I'm physically. ready to take them on. <laughs> you know? Legally, no you can represent us um, with your law experience. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I can. And even if I could, I don't think I would be a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think so? You know, anyway. <laughs> See, my brother also studied law, and he's a director of IT for, I don't know what company now. Used to be a very dodgy one, the Gazprom, the Russian gas government corporation. He was a director of IT for Europe, So, uh, but now he, he has some, he's working for a startup company. So uh, That's legit one, right? Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to ask <laughs> it. I didn't pay enough detail. And now he's a legit one. <laughs> He was in JD Sports before. That's like a sports company, too, doing their IT. So, uh, yeah. But he studied law, and he doesn't know anything about law either. He doesn't know. No. Same, same as you. Same, same. Studied in Hong Kong. No. We studied in UK. In UK. Uh, so I was in London at UCL. Um, and then I also studied a year in Holland at uh, University of Leiden in 97 for one year. That's where I learned my Dutch. Should I speak some Dutch to you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll sing you a song, maybe. Yeah. What should I sing? Um Het is een nacht, die wordt bezongen in het mooiste lied. Damn, het is een nacht. It's a famous song from 97. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I learned it for one year, and then somehow I still remember it. Oh, now. I, I, don't know I, was, I was born in 2000, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone should have told me this is a teenager show, you know. <laughs> um... So moving on, uh, I, I see uh, you you have an uh, interest in uh, definitely food, drink. That's how actually we know. Uh, but did you see 
Sim 77, you were mentioning about the traveling experience, right? When you wanted to go to office or school or work, there was a hustling. What do you think about the, the food industry? What happened? Did it change anything? Does the drink culture change? Like there are more um, Nepalese bartender, like <laughs> there are none. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, now every bartender is Nepalese, so, which is cool. You know, they're just not, no idea. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting because when I was a kid, even say a teenager or whatever, like the dining scene in Hong Kong was totally different. Um, we still had many fantastic restaurants uh, and there were good bars too, but just a very different style of bar, you know. So um, at that time, it was mostly, of course, incredible local selection and super cheap. And they still had a lot of the push cart on the yeah, street. Yeah, are, I don't see a lot of them. In New Jersey, you see them like sometime, but not they're gone, right? It's, it's illegal. So what happened is since the 70s or 60s, the government put down uh, legislation to make it legal because they thought they were unhygienic. I think it's related to like cholera and stuff. Um, but for at least 20, 30 years after that, it was still very easy to find it. Where Times Square is now, the little road in between used to be all push carts. The whole road. Like whole maybe, road. Yeah, maybe what they 40, sell 50. over there? I know they sell that the coil egg, peanuts. Is that peanuts? No, walnuts. I don't know. Chestnuts. 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 Chestnut, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, in, in those days, they sell everything. So a lot of the casual Chinese restaurant you see today actually used to be a street stall. So, for example, one of the most famous kind of noodle, we call it uh, min. It means um, cart noodle. It actually means noodles that were made in the push cart. And uh, those are the ones where you see lots of different ingredients you can add to that. Uh, congee was served like Thailand, on the street. Right? Like yeah, exactly. Thailand, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Some rice dishes, like the glutinous rice with the preserved sausage and things, and all kinds of different foods. So really a, a wide selection of uh, stuff. Yeah, fish balls, of course. Fish balls, humai and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fried things and a uh, lot. Like, yeah, you could eat street food every day and not get bored, like. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. In nearby Times Square. Right next to Times Square. <laughs> the right. whole street. And what happened is they're all there selling, 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 and they will have a guy on a lookout for the police. Oh. And these the stalls in the old day, they're on wheels, they're wooden, and they can just close. You could just shut the top. Even if they're firing the water, burning everything up, you could just slam it closed and put out the fire and just go. So the guy's looking out for the police, and then he would come running and be like, Chayana, Chayan, like the police are coming. And then everybody, like 50, 100, whatever, many cart, they were just slamming and running immediately, boiling water, spilling oil, and just running down the street, pushing it. And it's like every Friday, Saturday night was like that. They set up late at night, they sell, 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 police come, they just run. And then, yeah. How's your Cantonese? I just saw you speaking uh, Chayan. Like, how's your Cantonese? Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, my accent is off, but I, I can speak reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, uh, you understand probably, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can I can speak pretty okay yeah. Cantonese. Yeah, you want me to sing you a this Cantonese first song yeah, as well? I, I, yeah, yeah, please. I let me think. I don't know that many songs, but maybe I can uh, think of one. Oh, the one I like the most suddenly gone out of my head. That's really annoying. You kidding me? You know uh, the Cantonese song? A little bit, yeah. This <laughs> one goes. Okay, I can't remember. Something That's like not that, a yeah. Cantonese song. That's a Cantonese song. It's Leslie Cheung. Oh, uh, oh okay, 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 okay. Or how about? Um, I know the Beyond band. I know the Beyond. Beyond, awesome, the best, right? Something like this, right? That is, man, the songs, we made that in Nepalese as well, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, Beyond. I didn't know it. That's amazing. I love Beyond. Incredible band, yeah. Incredible band, man. You know, the... 
is not when you look back now i mean definitely uh, for me they're like pretty uh, long time ago since i was born in yeah. 2000 uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> the music is very catchy in a very touchy very emotional as you know i'm a very emotional person you know like yeah. i Uh, one minute crying, yeah, next minute want to break my arm. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's always yeah, emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Try to kiss me. And yeah, <laughs> um, but it's very touchy. Man, the, the 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 music they have is so good. Yeah, is no. it only I think? Or is no, really no, no, no. It's really good. And it, it, maybe we could just talk about that for a moment. So it's a very interesting thing. A lot of people nowadays don't know, but now when we look at entertainment culture in Asia, people look at Korea mostly. Yeah, yeah, mostly, right? mostly. Before Korea, they were looking to Japan mostly. It was like a center True. for TV shows and some music, so especially TV shows. Um, But historically, the center of entertainment industry in Asia was not Japan or Korea; it was Hong Kong, and not just for um, music, but for film, for TV. So the film industry here goes back to I think the '30s, '30s, '40s, something like that, very long time ago. It was huge uh, in the days of the Shaw Brothers, you know, and they had a crazy library of films, like hundreds and hundreds of films. Um, But yeah, right up till probably the mid '90s, Hong Kong was still the center of the film industry, but it was also the center of TV and music being exported. So for TV, it was TVB. TVB was distributed all over the world since like the '80s, which is crazy when you think about it. You could go to England and get some kind of like you know satellite or early whatever bus and get. TVB. They had TVB video stores in the center of London where you go rent all the TVB series TVB, and man. stuff. In those days, everyone. Okay, Now, okay. hopefully no one, but no yeah. one did it. <laughs> But the funny thing is, if you watch TVB now, it kind of looks almost exactly the same, same as in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah. The sets are, a lot of them are the same redress, but the same kind of building and light, the lighting. Is, the is, camp, is those know? TV, uh, there's how many uh, channel, uh, channel we have from, uh, from in Hong Kong? TVB. Uh, star, there's a one with the Pepsi sign. It looks like a Pepsi sign. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, what is yeah. that? Pepsi channel. No, no, no. There's some channel, right? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Phoenix? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's few. So those are free, right? I never, I, I only see oh. them in a, in a local uh, restaurant or either when you go to a hotel. You know, when you just, okay, what do you want to watch? And you just put it there. The, so, the so free TV. Let me get history of Hong Kong very quickly. So originally there were two companies in Hong Kong. One is called RTV. Which means rediffusion television, rediffusion like they rediffuse it, send it out again. And two is TVB, right? These are the oldest channels in Hong Kong. RTV is older mm-hmm. than TVB. Um, later, RTV went through. Uh, they sold the channel and they rebranded. They became ATV. Then it was ATV and TVB. At that time, there's only these channels. And the government then required all broadcasters to broadcast in English as well as Cantonese. So both of them have two channels. So TVB has uh, TVB and uh, TVB Pearl, which is the Cantonese, the main one, and TVB Jade, which was the sorry, the other way around. TVB Pearl, which is English, the not main one, and TVB Jade, which is the main channel, Cantonese, right? And then for ATV, they had ATV Home, which was Cantonese, and ATV World, which is international. I can't remember the names for RTV. And so it was four channels only at that time. Two right English, now, also four, I guess. Now four free to air plus uh, View TV. I think have the fifth. What is um, that? <laughs> View TV is big now. View TV is the new channel. They're like the hot channel in Hong Kong. Maybe I don't V-I-U, know. V I U View TV. Yeah. V- VIU 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 okay okay and then they have like some other there's another channel that got a license but I don't know if they broadcast called like Fantasy TV or something but I don't know if they ever broadcast and then uh, they have a lot of channels on cable satellite other things Phoenix and um, 
uh, made, uh, I can't even remember the name, so like super many, like, but still probably the most people in Hong Kong who watch any one channel is still TVB till now. Yeah. ATV went bust, but they relaunched as a digital channel or, and um, View is pretty popular as well. Yeah. View. View TV. Yeah, VIU, right? VIU. Gotta, I'm going to watch that. You're going to watch it. I'm going to VIU. I think uh, someone uh, that I know actually they do they, 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 I saw them in, in the View channel. Uh, I'm, I don't know. Yuki. She was yeah, on Yuki time. was in View? Yeah, she yeah. did a cooking CC, show on there. CC, I don't know. CC, you know CC? No. I know uh, lots of people call CC, but maybe yeah, not but the I don't same know. one. CC, I don't know the channel. I, I forgot the channel. Um, so yeah, there's... CCTV? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> different channel, different <laughs> channel. That, that CCTV is a different channel. Because um, uh, it's fascinating for me, especially because I see uh, when I was in uh, our village, uh, we had only um, one TV, and it was like I don't know, like one thousand people in 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 a village, maybe less than that. I don't know. No one count that time, right? So we have to go in one place to watch the TV, and it was a black and white. Is it like the tram in Hong Kong in the seventies? You just fight and pull the people yeah, yeah, over. Yeah, and yeah, get yeah. The, yeah. You have to, you have to fight. You know, you don't have to fight. I mean, we were kids, so we just wanted to see. I don't know what it is. It's just something inside that there. So like, it's like full far, and you're watching the TV. And my grandfather's like, okay, we gotta get a TV. So we got a TV, black and white. But um, but I was so. Um, hook up with that, you know, like crowd watching TV. So I never watched TV in my home. It was black and white, but I was like, I always go to other places, other other people's houses to watch because it's more fun, right? Yeah, there's so, no so. TV. There's no TV. There's like more people talking, you know, like uh, it's just like uh, it's so much fun at nighttime. You go over there, uh, and then later on, there was a VCR came, yeah, you know, yeah, like VCR, yeah. and they will show you like you buy two rupees. I don't know, back in the days, maybe in, in Hong Kong dollar, two cents, I don't know. And you, you pay there, you go inside and watch those movies, all types of movie, man. Love it. Yeah. So cute. You know the VCR, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I of course, I had VCR when yeah. I was young. If, if, yeah. I, if I, you have VCR? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I want to show it to my daughter, actually. Yeah. How does VCR look in the You real? can still buy it in Hong Kong. If you go to Shamshi Po, you can easily pick up VCR and machine. And the, 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 the cassette, cassette as well. Yeah. yeah. And they also have, in Hong Kong, we had a weird thing called laser vision. So it exists in the world. It was around the world, but it never became popular. But it was so popular in Hong Kong. It's a giant record thing yeah. that looks like a giant compact disc, like CD. Yeah. And then you play movies on it, like before DVD or anything, long, long time ago, in the late 90s. Really? It was so popular in Hong Kong. I and know. you can go to Shem Po and they have shops on the street only selling laser vision, boxes of laser vision. You can go and buy it and take it home, watch some laser vision. Have you, how's your childhood spent in Hong Kong? You spent your childhood in Hong Kong or in, yes. in, 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 uh, in Hong Kong? Scotland? No, no, in Hong Kong. So you guys play around because I asked this question. Um, By the way, Ireland, not Scotland. Oh, sorry. Close, but not same. <laughs> you know what it's like, sorry. You know? Like, I, I'd be like, how's your childhood in Burma? You know, around about the general neighborhood, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no problem. No, that was, that was uh, really, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Ireland, yeah, Ireland, Ireland. Okay, I'm just, I'm just reminding myself. I knew that <laughs> because you brought the whiskey. Of course, that's true. Yeah, I should have yeah. bought Irish whiskey. You're yeah. Right. yeah, you I bought let, the Scottish whiskey. I let down my country. Yeah, and um, what I was saying because I got so embarrassed. Like, <laughs> like I'm <from> Scotland. <laughs> so yeah, my childhood, uh, when we were talking about childhood, because I was talking to one of my friend um, 
Andre, if you're watching, man, sorry, Andre is is a great uh, person. He used to work in uh, in Hong Kong. I was sitting down with him in So Shenwan uh, on on a, some park in the city around. You know, like it's Hong Kong parks, middle of the uh, middle of the, all the buildings. And I was asking him, I asked him, um, how the children spend uh, uh, their, their you know like the fun kids memory in in Hong Kong. You know, like they come down. Everything is there, you know, like there's cars, there's buses, there's freaking everything. And and for us, I remember I we would get out from home without sleeper, just running away to someone's house who's fucking like one kilometer far, playing with some socks ball that I told you last time. Uh, and then come back home after a few hours. My parents doesn't even know where the fuck am I. Like, it was like, oh, is he fucking still alive or is dead? Mm-hmm. And we come back home, we eat and do the same thing. But here, what the, what the mem- um, you know, like, uh, what is their memory? He gave me so great answers. Like their memory is this. For them, this is their. For them, this is their uh, garden. For them, this is their. You know, like you one kilometer. For them, probably is not one kilometer, but there for them, coming out from their flat to ground floor is is a journey. Oh, that damn. So how was you experiencing? I'll tell you, man. So in, uh, in Ireland, in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. No, I was only in Ireland till two, you see. So, although to be fair, we always go back to Ireland and we did move back for short periods, like six months, eight months here and there. But actually, I grew up most of my life in, in Hong Kong, right? Um, and childhood in Hong Kong is a like, very interesting thing at that time. Actually, the way our parents raise us is not so different to how your parents raise you. Like, my parents thought it's like, okay, you're a kid. You need to be outside. You need to be with other kids. You need to be doing exercise and running around and being a kid, right? It, you know, nowadays it's very common, everybody doing tutoring, tutoring, tutoring and learning piano and learning this. Yeah. But we're, we're not like that when we were young. We were just like, like if I'm in the house, my mom is going to get angry. And if my mom get angry at some point, she might beat me. So mostly it's like, just get out of yeah. the house, right? You know, and homework, we have a little bit, but not too much. And in summertime in Hong Kong, when I was a kid, there's no aircon in any of the schools, so it's pretty hot. And No aircon? No aircon. In whole Hong Kong? In schools? Uh, no, in schools. I mean, I, we didn't have aircon until I was like maybe 13. Uh, my parents don't want to pay for it. They're like, we can have a small fan that's good enough, you know? So... Um, um, we, we didn't have aircon, but the schools didn't have aircon for sure, right? And so we just have a ceiling fan, and in summer it gets super hot, and you're like a little kid, like five years old or whatever. When it gets to the middle of the day, you you know, you know theoretically you get a bit ill or whatever from the heat. So usually they let us go at like 12.30 in summertime. We finish school, right? So 12.30, imagine come home. My poor mom have to deal with me and my brother the whole day long. She's like, get out. So... We go downstairs in the lift or stairs or whatever, and then we come out, and then it's like the wild world in front of us. And we have two choices when we get to the ground floor. Um, so choice one is we can there's some like kids playground in our flat, some nice area. Back in the day, probably can, a lot of playground, I guess. Yeah, the flats typically have, or nearby some government playground or simple thing, right? And we can go there and be like a good kid and play in the playground, go into swing and whatever. And then choice two is there's a wall, and the wall separates our flat from you know the wild world of Hong Kong, right? And then if we would do some help with our friends, we get to climb over the wall and jump out. And then we can do whatever we want, and right? Nobody why, can why stop is us. This that? Is us, right? So so we would climb over the wall and then we just do anything. We go climb up in the mountains and there's some old war bunkers and cave. We just get into the cave. Someone bought a torch he stole from his dad with some uh, ever-ready nine-volt batteries and we get in the cave and we crawl around and then, or maybe we went the other side and, and we got like some 
toilet seats from some old building site or some cardboard boxes and we sit on them and we use the hillside as a, uh, like a slide to shoot down the hillside and then we roll off at so the end so we don't crash wild, into the uh, childhood back yeah. then, even in Hong Kong yeah and, and the kids from my school they would go and like catch snakes and stuff when we were back by the time we reached eight nine years old a lot of kids were very interested in snakes we'd go up in the mountain we'd go and they'd find a snake and they would catch it take it home, keep it in like a small snake sanctuary thing, uh, study it for a few days, and then take it back to where they found it and let it go again a few days later. I mean, no, uh, no reason. We used to also um, catch the snakes, but we uh, we uh, kind of uh, make them die in a pretty hard way. Okay, don't don't yeah. tell me too much detail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we also have to kill some snakes like, outside. I'm not proud of that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, that was, we were a child. Like, I was, I think, eight, nine, eight, eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know... Um, sometimes we had to kill snakes like sometimes you're outside your flat and you know just some very poisonous that would come like you know a, a cobra or whatever and then there's no cobra in Hong Kong there's cobra in Hong Kong like wild one yeah wild one well really? I don't know now but yeah historically oh, probably, there yeah, was for sure yeah we have Chinese cobra actually is it cobra is Chinese yeah he even speak Cantonese <laughs> no he <laughs> <laughs> Chinese cobra. Yeah, Chinese okay, cobra. Okay. Man. There's no French cobra, but there's a Chinese yeah, cobra. Yeah, right? that's that's why I asked. It would be you. weird. The French and Chinese cobra. Hey, man, dude, how about you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think Sorry, we, French. Why cobra. you open your uh, whiskey and you, you don't want us to share? Well, I wanted to talk about the bottle actually. So um, I opened it because you couldn't open it. I was just yeah, being yeah. helpful. Yeah, people know that, man. Um, I need to cut that one. <laughs> unfiltered. Um, so actually, this is a very special whiskey. I'm just going to talk about it a little bit. Um, this is it's called Leche. Uh, it's spelled in a totally different way, L-E-D-A-I-G, but we pronounce it Leche. It's a Celtic word. But this is not made by Leche Distillery. This is made by Tobermory. Tobermory is a distillery on the Isle of Mull uh, in Scotland, and Leche is a special whiskey they distill not all the time, maybe every three, four, five years, something like that. And the difference is that Tobermory is quite a light whiskey compared to other island whiskies. It's not too smoky, it's not too heavy, it's a little bit sweet. Um, and Lechig is much more similar to some of the island whiskies that people in Hong Kong be familiar with, like Lafroig or like yeah, yeah. Lagavulin. So Lechig is a very smoky, intense, like uh, full-flavored whiskey, only bottled from time to time. So it's already a bit rare. And then secondly, this is a special bottling from uh, Robert Graham, which is an independent uh, bottle mm. shop in Glasgow that also bottled their own whiskey as well. Um, so it's something very special. You'll never find this in Hong yeah. Kong. Yeah, um, just, uh, just, just for just for so in, um, everyone's information, they're not paying us. We're <laughs> 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 we gonna drink it because uh, Spencer has it keep kept this one for like a few years, few yeah. years. About four or five four years, years now. Four years, yeah. uh, he knew that's going to happen in future, so... Yeah, I was waiting for this moment. Um, maybe uh, one of your... F- oh, you, you're you going to... I'm scared because I have my headphones on and I don't have wireless like your headphones. You Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's for something else. Oh, well, that's for something else? What do we have? Yeah. Um, you told me not to mention because it's private oh, yeah, placement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I might mention later anyway. Um, you want to try some? Humans in the background. Well, I have this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Very high quality glass. And oh, it smells so good. Oh my god, I'm already so excited. One more. Okay. Okay. So this is for you. The very tiny, small little glass, and this bigger, more powerful one is for me. Cheers. No, I'm joking. 
<laughs> it's just my favorite glass. I bought it from home. I love this glass. <laughs> so, yeah. So when you're drinking whiskey, always take a good nose of it, but don't get in so close as like with wine, you know, depending on yourself. But really try to get some of the aromas. This one's a really like smoky, powerful, delicious smelling one. A little bit of tobacco maybe in it as well. So Spencer trying yeah. to be posh and whatever. It's actually really smells uh, tobacco. And I haven't been drinking for a uh, week. And I'm not really, uh, I'm not a good fan of whiskey. And I don't have a good reputation of drinking whiskey and after aftermath. <laughs> Some people who's watching, they know. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, as I told you, I'm an emotional guy. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're taking a big risk here. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers, cheers my, my thank friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I would touch your glass, but um, okay, we'll do it. It's like having dinner with the queen, you know? We're like at the old royal table yeah. so far away, That's right? The thing. That's the then thing you're going to ask me to marry your daughter, <laughs> and I'll be like, you know, oh, you're born in 2020, and I'm, you know. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Like, like drinking tobacco, right? Yeah, it, it's... It's smoky, but it's not salty. No, yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. It's, this one is interesting because it's so smoky, but it's also very light. It's not like a super heavy, full-bodied whiskey. The flavor, the finish is quite long, right? You can feel it's still going, going. And the more time it spends in your mouth, it sweetens out a little bit, right? What's the ABV? It should be 40 to 40, 44 45? is the standard, 45? unless it's cask bottle. Let me check. I should know this. Um, 46. Yeah. A little bit stronger than normal, but yeah, pretty decent. Great. <clears throat> uh, getting back to the conversation, so uh, the, the childhood was tough. So you guys, uh, we were there and catching snakes, by the way. And then yeah, but I mean, I love it. Uh, like my childhood in Hong Kong was amazing. Like we, I, I never felt more free in my life than those early years in Hong Kong. It felt like we could do everything. And the rule was very similar to you. We leave the house, like we come home, we eat lunch, and we leave the house. And the only rule is be back in time for dinner. Don't be late. If you're late for dinner, big trouble, right? So no matter how far you've gone, no matter what you did, don't be late, right? So once we're out the door, we can do anything. And there are crazy kids. There's adventurous kids. There's very naughty kids. There's every kind of kid, okay, right? Give me the one experience of crazy kids. One, like that one? Too many. Okay, so for example. No, no, the, the one was super crazy. I, I'm sure the guy is still, still too many. But I, yeah. Oh, of the kid himself? Yeah. Kid himself. Well, I don't want to mention by name. Yeah, don't, don't actually, mention the name. Yeah, yeah. He, he was not a good kid. Like, he was a really a bad kid, and, and a lot of trouble came to him later. But one day, for fun, in our block of flats, uh, the mailboxes, they all collect together in one place, and they're made of wood, and they sit in the middle of the lobby. And for fun, he went around and set fire to all the mailbox in all of the block of flats. And it was like huge fire. And all the fire brigades came. And like, you know, there was like a high risk of death and injury. And how, was the, how old was the guy? Eight. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a lot of like troublesome kids. But talking about fire. So in my second block of flats, I live around 11. There was war bunkers right next to our flat. Those war bunkers are now a wine cellar called Crown Wine Cellar, but they used to be war bunker. You could go have dinner in the war bunker now. In um, Hong Kong? In Hong Kong, in, in uh, uh, Shusen Hill area, around uh, Deep Water Bay, Shusen Hill. And um, so we go down to the war bunkers, and one of the favorite things for like older kids to do, or even just not older kids, naughty kids, they would get a Coke can, 
and fill it with petrol and some other thing and make a petrol bomb what? and then extend a long like thing out of it and then set fire and then run away and it will blow up in the war bunker. Obviously, it doesn't cause any damage because this thing is built to withstand like, you know, nuclear bomb or something so it can handle a kid's petrol bomb. But they always thought it was so funny and they do it all the time. And one time we were down and we we're going to walk to the war bunkers and just look around. They're really narrow and exciting. And we saw some young kids outside crying, and there's a lot of smoke coming out. And we said, oh, what happened? And they said, oh, some other young kid, like pretty young kids, went in to check out the war bunkers. And just before them, some of the older kids were there setting petrol bombs, and they didn't know. No one was hurt, but the petrol bombs went off, and the kids were lost inside the war bunker. And the whole war bunker is filled up with smoke, and they're, like, choking inside, and they're not small. You could walk for, like, 10 minutes inside or 50 minutes get lost. So me and my friends, who are, like, maybe 11 or 10 years old, run in searching through these five war bunkers to find these lost children who are choking to death for the petrol bomb and bring them out and save their lives, you know? So we're, uh, I think that's so more hardcore weird, than us. Then we don't we we don't do those. We we used to uh, we just play. You were good kids. Uh, yeah, I mean we we were like a naughty one. Not yeah. the, you, the these are these are pretty <laughs> hardcore <laughs> petrol bomb man. We don't do the petrol bomb. <laughs> we didn't even have a petrol, so there's no bomb. <laughs> you can steal the petrol from somewhere. You know, you just find someone who's like a you know has a farm or anything and just suck it out of their uh, the tank from the tractor or whatever or any vehicle they have. Um, <laughs> We also, so there used to be an agricultural center near to our house. And when we were a little bit older, like 13, 14, we would go and sneak down. So you climb down the mountain, you break into this place. And inside there, they had a tractor. And we were like 13, 14. We're like, okay, we want to learn how to drive. This could be cool. So there's no one around. So we just climb inside the tractor and it had the keys there. We turn it on and just drive around. Like... You know, we learned a little bit driving from our older friends. They teach us how to find the biting point of the clutch. And so we're driving this tractor around the farm doing nothing. And then um, one day we went back with my little brother and some other younger kids. And we got into the tractor and we started racing around the farm and having a great time. And then actually a guy was there, a security guy they never had before with wild, not wild dogs, but like Alsatian dogs, like the police dog that kind of dog he come running and shout we saw oh my god we stopped the track jump out and start running and he let the dogs go and the dogs did, woo, woo. and we, anyway me and my two friends got away we're like, oh thank goodness and my brother was caught and then what happened to him i don't know we ran away we just left <laughs> <laughs> sorry tim so yeah so they caught him and they lock him up in a room and they said they're calling police and at that time we didn't speak cantonese and he couldn't communicate with the guy, so the guy called one of the staff to come back to interrogate him, and they locked him in the room for a few hours, and they were, like, telling him, oh, you broke the law, you've done very serious things, you're going to go to jail. And he was just crying, crying, crying the whole time. And then after, like, two or three hours, they just let him go, and, you know, I just went home and hide and chill out and see if he'll come back. And eventually he came home, he was very, like, shook up and stuff, and they let him go, and that's that. And then we didn't drive the tractor anymore. That's the that's the full stuff for tractor. <laughs> yeah, that was the end of the tractor. You, know. so you guys also cycle here? Uh, yeah, I mean, w when I was a kid, we were on our bike all the time, all the time. Like big, the smaller bikes. Small right? bikes, right? BMX was to, in those days. But my parents didn't want to buy BMX, so we had like a rally, old English bike. And then I traded with another friend for a 
pretend dirt bike, which was pretty funny. But it has, he gave it to me because it has no brakes. The brakes were broken off. So we Wait, go to the BMX doesn't have any brakes. No, his one, the dirt bike he gave oh. me. It's a huge, heavy bike. I was too small. I couldn't get it. I have to jump onto it. Like I have to kind of jump over it. And then it has no brakes. So what I would do is I go to the top of the hill, jump on the bike, ride it down. And then when we get to the bottom, I jump off as quick as I can. And I try to run to stop it. But sometimes it's too fast. I couldn't just let go. And the bike go flying and crash into a gate. And then I climb down, pick it up, and then do it again. Like, uh. well, I mean, <clears throat> we used to, uh, we didn't have the small bikes or BMXs. We have this, the, the bigger one. Yeah. You know, they have that, the one stick in the middle. Yeah. So as a small, your the cycle is pretty big. So you put your leg inside from that side. Have you, right. have you seen that? that no, people? I just said yes, yes, but I have no idea what you're talking about. But do you know about. what kind of cycle <laughs> no, is that? No, I don't know. Uh, Can you show a, me a photo? That's a, this is a legit cycle, I okay. think. Uh, let me show you. It's, it's very, see. very... Um, I don't know what kind of cycle is this. Is this? You said it's big, so in my mind, I'm no, imagining this I'm, very I mean, like, cycle. Huh? Buddha cycle. Oh, Buddha cycle. Okay. I don't know. What's the name of that cycle? Give me. Huh? Cycle? Buddha cycle. Buddha cycle? Yeah, that means uh, old cycle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, so they even have a picture. So this is the way we uh, I learned. Oh, yeah, okay. I see because it's too big for too you, big right? Too big for us, yeah. Too yeah, big. yeah, yeah. So yeah. you have to put through the, you know, like. Put yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny, yeah. <laughs> no, I like it. Yeah, and then then I I get to have another cycle, and that was the only one cycle. Yeah. And so everywhere I go, people, this kid just follow me, like you know, like oh, wow. the small cycle, and there was in colorful, like red and and yellow. Wow. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I love it. Yeah, but. Uh, but it didn't survive too long because okay. everyone wants to try it, so yeah, yeah, yeah. eventually it's <laughs> it end up doing um, end up in somewhere it just gone but so here there was a cycling you guys go cycle how far you can go cycle cycle no right? we can't cycle too far because of the, everything is road right so you mentioned you're like five-year-old kid your parents buy you cycle they told you to cycle in this area is nowhere you of course cycle onto the road but if you cycle too far, it's just too dangerous, right? Imagine five-year-old kid racing down the hill in a... We did do, but just a little bit, not too far, right? So instead, we have some um, roads that lead into our block of flat. Usually, it's up a hill, so we climb up the hill, and then we ride the bike back down into the flat and to the bottom, so it's just not too far. If we want to go to town, we take the bus. So when we are, like, five years old... We have a little bit of pocket money. Like, I think mine was like $1 per week or 50 cent. I forgot. And then we take our pocket money and we go to the bus driver and negotiate with him. And uh, he said, okay, little kid, you can pay like 20 cent or something or 40 cent. So we give him the bus driver's name is Charlie on the 24M bus. We give Charlie like <laughs> uh, 40 cent or something. And then we go to Coso Bay, all of us, all the kids. Like five years old kid, maybe five of us, 10 of us, 15 of us, and we just go to Coso Bay, and then we just hang around. Actually, the seating was 14 on the bus, so it can't be more than 14, but a bunch of us. And then we just hang out in Coso Bay, walking around. Those red bus, red or green red bus. bus with yeah, the, yeah, yeah, with green bus, yeah. In New Territory, they still use. I think they're still, still here, here, still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, yeah. So imagine today, right? You go down to Coso Bay on Tuesday yeah. to do some shopping, you walk around, and suddenly you saw like 14 five-year-old kid just walking around with no adult doing whatever they no, want. No, you can't see that. You think they're crazy. You'd be like, yeah. call the police, yeah, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that was, we do it all the time. We just, we don't even have anything. We just walk around because we're doing nothing, laughing and joking and playing games and stuff. Our parents have no idea. Yeah. If they knew we're in Cosabay, they would kill this us. This was, let me put the date. 
They can park on middle, literally. They can park in the middle, but there's none, not enough. There was a car, like, you know, your royal family has some cars, some other general, whatever, the rich people. But you can, you can park in the middle of the street and just go and shopping and just walk around and come back and take Wow. <laughs> You're living a very good life at the no, time. No, I, I didn't. I, I heard. No, I them, heard. them. Those yeah, guys with yeah, the yeah. car, right? <laughs> wow. Can you believe that you park in the middle of the road and yeah. you just go and just like no yeah. one care? I love to see someone do that in Hong Kong and see what happened, you know? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> just park in the middle of the road in Central. And just know? walk out. Just right? walk out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, you know, like yeah. people go crazy. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, that, I think right now uh, that changed. The, the, in terms of, and you, I, I find very different now when you said um, the childhood was that, that is pretty hardcore childhood yeah. in Hong Kong. Yeah, it was. You guys grew up. It was very free. It was, yeah. you know, I mean, even till we're like, okay, by the time we were 14, we were always drinking. All the time drinking, drinking, drinking. We were like, I think I start drinking like 11, 13 already going out. Um, 14, I'm out like every week. But apart from like drinking and stuff, um, we, we're like really crazy even. So, for example. No, like, by the way, we should not drink until 18. Oh, yeah, that's illegal. This is us before. Okay. Yeah, Don't come to... Like <laughs> tell Camellia if you're <laughs> 11, right? It's not allowed. Um, but uh, <laughs> we, we are not endorsing underage drinking. Right? Yeah, we're just talking about the past <laughs> history of some badly yeah. behaved children, you know. But um, yeah, so they had like like an, another area when we moved house again. There's an area nearby where they had like um, some uh, old grass pitches. They were not used anymore, and they had a very they had a lot of strange laws in Hong Kong where if the land is not used, they put a gate around it and lock it up, and you know usually and they write down government don't property. go government property yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cut up and and usually it's for some reason like they have some development coming up or something right but in those days there was a lot of unused land all the time so this was like a huge like kind of like football rugby pit or whatever some kind of pitch was just not used. And it had been sitting there for like five, six, seven years, not used. So one day we were like, oh, like we should just go here and play. So one kid, his dad had a bolt cutter. So they just got the bolt cutter. We cut the lock. And then every week we just go and play rugby there with all of our friends, you know. Um, <laughs> and we carried on like that for about two years until one day the police came. Really? And then we like, oh, we, we the neighbor saw us. So someone from far away. Complained. But I mean, it's really, I say neighbor, they were really far away. Like the, this place is not, even now... You can still see that area is really far away. Um, it was near Taihang Road. But, uh, but yeah, we, we just go there and just play. We just make our own way there. Uh, I, oh, I used to be very famous among my friends in Hong Kong. I never wore shoes till I was like 14. I even went to school without shoes on sometimes. I really hate you? wearing yeah. shoes. Yeah, they sent me home from school twice for not wearing shoes. But um, I used to walk from my house to Koso Bay with no shoes. By the time I was like 10 years old, I just walked everywhere. So it's about... 30 minutes walk to Koso Bay, 30, 45 minutes. I just walk from my flat and just walk all the way to Koso Bay, no shoes, and walk around Koso Bay. And this is a true fact. In those days in Hong Kong, it's very common for people to spit on the street anytime. And there's a lot of pollution, rubbish. When people clean restaurants, they just throw the dirty water at the on door. The and we don't have, I mean, they had street cleaning, but not like now. The very clean Hong Kong now is mainly because of SARS in 2003. They started really cleaning everything up. 
So, yeah, I just walk around my barefoot in these filthy areas all the time. So one of my best friend, Kelvin, a music producer in Hong Kong, and he said to me once, he thought like that I had something wrong with my feet because they were so black all the time, like some condition yeah. or something. And only one day, many years later, when I washed my feet one time and he saw it, it was like, oh, they were just filthy the whole time. Like I never wear shoes. You were in Run school. on the rocky thing. So in my first school, British school, I have to wear shoes and very smart shoes like Clark's, whatever. But when I went to French school, they don't have uniform. They're kind of laid back. Sometimes I just go to school with no shoes, or I got school and just no take my shoes, shoes off. And <laughs> I got I got in trouble. My chemistry teacher sent me home twice for not uh, wearing shoes. Yeah. Um, uh, we, when we. When we were studying, uh, I mean, we were, I, when I was learning uh, karate in Nepal, then we, that's the first time, I think, that we have to run like a few kilometers uh, without the shoes. And I was like, I'm not going to do that, man. It's, it's, it's hard. You just said no. Yeah. No, we did that once. And I was like, okay, this is, because, you know, it's a grappling rope. We don't have the, the, the peach like here. So we would just have to run on the stones or you know, everything, mud. So I was like, that's, uh, it's, it's. It's not good for our feet. And I was like, okay, well, we're not going to do that. Okay, let's we'll change it. <laughs> so I was voluntarily doing it. And you were yeah, 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 it. yeah. No, I, 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 I think that we I got inspired from your um, action in Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> you used to be the world champion of karate or something, right? Mm. Um, no, no, no. Uh, th- that, was, uh, that was a different person. Because the but person you were, no, you, you, were, you were pretty good at karate though, right? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did. I did a lot of martial arts stuff, but I wasn't good at anything, man. I was good at anything. The only thing I was good at, uh, I'm still good at, uh, eating. 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 Yeah, I can eat uh, the most amount of food, man. Like we can, I can do a go go to, go for an eating competition and those like challenge. Any any challenge, spicy you know? food challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, or oh, big portion. Let's talk. Let maybe. Uh, I don't know, like. Two kilo of rice, um, those kind of stuff. Yeah, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is real. I, I can't. I can't do that. I can't do that. So that was the childhood. Um, then you 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 grow up. I'm sure you know you get you become more handsome by the time because you have to join eventually NBA yeah. and clean my feet. And, yeah, you know, clean your that, feet. Yeah. How was your um, high school and and college? Also in Hong Kong. Also in Hong Kong. So uh, not college, right? So up till high school, I was in Hong because Kong. Because I tell you one more thing. Yeah. I, I think um, uh, Suman and Bipesh probably know or not. When I finished my 10th grade, which is called Form 5 here, so when I was going to 11, 12, back in the day, that was a college. Oh. But now, I see. they said it's a high school. So oh, high, is it the high school, high school, high school one time? Like 11 and 12 is a college or high school? Now they call it high school. So even the school provide 11 and 12. So I was like, oh, I studied in college. When I tell, and now I was like, that's not college. Well, that's like high school. Well, we, we, we have something you can't call sixth form college, which is you do your final two years in a, a kind of special school like called sixth form college. Um, and then normally for us, we high school is American term. Like we usually say um, primary school and secondary school. And that and is then it's, form five, right? And, and what is after form five? No, so so usually you do like primary school, secondary school, secondary school all the way to form seven, but we didn't call it form seven then. We call it upper six, 
lower yeah, six and now, upper now, six. Now they change. I think a few years back, I was just talking to one of my friend uh, who is a, a lecturer university. His name is Gagan. I think we have the podcast just. Uh, so he was explaining to me those terms. But again, I'm I'm not that smart, so I don't know. Come on, <laughs> don't say awful things about yourself. Um, but yeah, so I did. I went to British school first, South Island school. Now it's more like international school, but in those days it was really a British school, um, part of the English Schools Foundation, um, and it was great. It was cool, but um, I didn't love it. And then I got in a little bit of trouble, and then they said they were considering asking me to leave the school. And then uh, I wanted to go to boarding school in England to get tougher and get ready for the MBA or whatever. But um, but my mom really wanted me to be here, and then she called up her friend who was the headmistress of the French school, and they said they could you know do some tests and maybe give me a place. So um, so I ended up staying going to French school, and. Uh, Maybe it sounds weird, but it was some of the best years of my life. I really, really loved it there. I was in the English stream, so it's really an international school there. Um, but I had a super good time. I made some of my best friends, and we, we caused so much trouble, but in a good way. Like yeah, nice yeah, kids yeah. causing trouble, not bad kids causing trouble. And uh, the cool thing about the French school is we were a very small school at that time, and especially English stream was just like in my last year. We had nine kids only in our class. Um so we made friends with every other school. We were friends with the German school. We were friends with lots of local school. We were friends with like American schools, Singapore school, British schools. We, we know all the kids from every other school. We were very social. We go to every party. We go to every activity. And we, you know, we just had a great time. I was, it was, I was uh, asking about the house parties. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was asking about the house party. Uh, you know, um, getting back to um, our, our, our drinking thing, you know, like we... Uh, people say that that we 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 don't know how to drink. Uh, we just have to get drink. Even everyone, most of most of us. Let's not. I'm not representing our Nepalese people for each of each of us. But most of us, when we get drunk, we don't know how to socialize. Uh, <laughs> but that's not true. That's not true. But I was like, you know why? Because why, why it happened? Because we don't have a house parties, man. <laughs> if we in our country is a house party, then we will learn in a better way. Just kidding. <laughs> So, but house parties were a legitimate thing in those days. So, imagine, like, in the old days, you were in Hong Kong. So, my father was an engineer, right? And his job was uh, to head up new towns uh, building in Hong Kong, right? Uh, and he was assigned to several projects. Those projects was uh, Sha Tin, Cheng Kwan O, Mount San, City One, and uh, I always forget. Uh, anyway, uh, and, and Disneyland at the end as well. Um in some cases, in the later year, he was even the senior engineer heading up that project. That means building the whole city, right? So, you know, you go to Satin today, and there are roads and buildings and things my father helped to work on and, and get them built. You know, how, when you're sitting in Hong Kong, which was quite a far distance in those days, and you don't have the local expertise, how do you bring someone over here to build a new city or to set up the hospital system or to organize different things, right? So they would you know, provide some accommodation, maybe give you some flights to go home and see your family once a year, that kind of thing. So it, it was quite normal in those days for a lot of professionals coming here. They have a good-sized house, you know? So uh, when we got a little bit older... And in the beginning, we never stay at home. We just go out. Big house, small house, we don't care. We just want to be outside and playing and having a great time. But when you get a little bit older and then you realize, like, oh, you know, I have this nice house that my parents live in. And then they're out or they went on holiday without me and abandoned me in Hong Kong or something. Um, 
how about I could, you know, have my own party? So we have a lot of house parties, and mostly without our in parents knowing. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, and then what happens? Our parents go out, and then we invite everyone to our house, and we have a big party, and then we kick them all out by like ten or eleven o'clock, and they go to like Lang Khoi Fong or Wan Chai or whatever, or just sit on the street drinking Seven Eleven beer, and we clean up the house the best we can so our parents don't know, and then we go join them, right? Um, so it's like a kind of a very strange lifestyle at that yeah. time, you know, a little bit spoiled, a little bit exciting, a little bit free, uh, breaking all the rules, but kind of harmless, but kind of naughty. Yeah. And also, like, it's quite common, like, when we were younger, like, most of us get jobs in the summer. So, like I said, we get some pocket money from our parents, not too much. And then um, when it's summertime, they will ask us to get a job and start working so we can be more responsible. But it's, like, illegal to work in Hong Kong below 16 at that time. So we're like 13, 14, and we had to find some illegal jobs like doing delivery or pushing beer carts or something, removal service, or I did some work as a construction worker or this kind of stuff. Um, Underage. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, from four, uh, Start from, for me, for 14, some kids younger. Um, and then every summer till I left Hong Kong like that. And even later in school, we quite often do jobs like in, in East or other things. Because I think all our parents think the same. In their own country, they're just working like as a professional or, or maybe as a policeman or uh, something else like this. And then they come to Hong Kong, we have this beautiful flat and some other benefits. And they don't want us to grow up feeling so privileged and like we can do everything. And, you know, so they... They just give us a little bit of pocket money, and then when we're older, they want us to work and be responsible. But it also means like we're pretty good at looking after ourselves. So when we get to like 16, you know, if we want to use our money to travel by ourselves and go to another country and visit an old friend from Hong Kong lab, they would give us permission. So I could fly to France when I was 16. Yeah, even when I was 14, I asked to take a course to study French in France because I was going to French school and I was finding it very hard. So my parents said, okay, and they write a letter to some French family who offered to support you for a small amount of money. And then they put me on the plane and then I land in Paris and then I flew to La Rochelle and then I meet this family and then I live with them for like three and a half months being a French kid in a French town in France, you know. Um, And then after three and a half months, I fly home and my mom crying and so happy to see me. And a lot of kids here would go to boarding school, even from very young, even like eight years old. So they're always like on the plane and going back to England to study and then come back in the summer. Um, So we're quite free like we can we get yeah, a lot of responsibility that you know? is very important um to let the kids do but i don't know nowadays is if the kids can be danger even when they're home right you know the phones internet is every everything yeah. is in their yeah. um, they're on their hands so it's very important for, for as, as parents to let them do what they want to do i guess I mean, everyone has to make their own decision, right? We, we also get in some trouble. Like, I'll tell you a crazy story then about the life in Hong Kong in those days. So especially in the age of like 14 to 18, when we start going out and being around town. So like I said, we have some jobs. We have a little bit of money in the summer, but we don't have too much money. So we can't like, it's not like nowadays you see people go to all the fancy club in Lang Kui Fong. We are just trying to find anywhere would let us in when we are underage and two, we can afford to have a few drinks, right? So... Normally, in those days, Chim Sa Choi is the cheapest place to drink, so we always all take the MTR and we go over to Chim Sa Choi, and then we find some bars that are, like, not very strict on door policy. And like me, I grew a little beard when I was 14 years old and buy some John Lennon glasses to look like an older guy. And then John um, Lennon glasses? 
And then we go in and we, we get our money and they have some deal like 50 Hong Kong dollars and as much as you can drink for four hours, right? Then we go in there, we pay the 50 bucks and then we just drink, 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 drink the whole time, right? But there was like in the, in those days in some of those dodgy barn back alley of Chim Sa Choi is a bit dangerous or Jordan or uh, Chim Sa Choi East and they have a lot of triad gang at that time so like especially Chim Sa Choi East they have like a lot of like uh, clubs and things run by triads and for business and other things and sometimes they would send like the younger kids like younger brother triads or new triad kids and they would ask them oh just go find some of those like western bar and start a fight with some kids there because um you know we played a lot of sport at school we we're very active we we're kind of you know genetic and in the local school they didn't have as strong a sports program in those days we all play rugby we we're pretty rough we're fighting all the time so they're like, okay these kids don't go to gym they're not that tough but they're becoming triad they have to kill people later so they would send them down to toughen them up and say go start a fight with these kids so we'd be in the bar drinking and then maybe one kid will come out or a few has come out. They usually have narrow staircase, quite dark, because they don't want police to find underage kids there. And then we come out, and then as we walk in the door, some guy would just hit the first guy in the head with a piece of wood or kick him, and then a few guys start beating him up right away. Just, and then we we run back into the bar, and we start shouting, and we're like, the triads are here, the triads are here. And all the school kids, all of them, will all start to run out of the bar to fight them. Not to run away. Not to run away. All, all, every school, like maybe from rival Kowloon school, and then normally we hate each other and we play against each other in sport and we're not friends at all. But when the triad kids come, we all join together to help each other out. And then everybody, and the staircase so narrow, they're pushing to get out to fight with them. And then no mobile phone in those days, right? So when there's too many kids come out and just a few of those triad guys, they would run to find a, a phone box, like a, and put in the $1 and a phone their triad boss and be like, oh, there's too many kids, you send more guys over here. And then they start <laughs> arriving with some vans, a black van, and the back door open and more of these young triad kids running out and then fight with us. And then we usually in this one back alley of quite famous back alley, we're all fighting, like, could be 20, could be 100, the kids and these tri just fighting, fighting, fighting. And eventually the police come and then all the tri run away and like they just disappear like super fast. And then it's just like a whole bunch of like kids in an alleyway, like a bit bleeding, a bit messed up. Some of them still managed to get a beer and just hanging out in the alley looking a bit messed up. And the police come down and like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, nothing, sir. You know, just, that, uh, that was a... That was a pretty hardcore experience. Yeah, yeah it was pretty common though. They, like any time, any week, it could happen. It was a very different life, you know. The wild east, the wild Cow east, yeah. Cowboys of the wild east. You kind of proving you know? me that was a wild east. We, and and in case you, it's an interesting thing because I talked a lot about this with um, with some friends I grew up with, and I said it's funny nobody documented these crazy days in Hong Kong when we were kids and we we don't know what's going on, and um, many years later. Uh, that same kid was asked to star in a movie written by two other kids who grew up in Hong Kong more recently, not so recent, still like 20 years back, and uh, document this story. And they actually made the film. Um, uh, you know, it's low budget, it's independent, so it's not like the, the best quality production around. Um, but the film really tells a little bit of the story of those times and what it was like. I know the movie called Young and Dangerous. Have you watched that movie? It's an amazing movie. It's a different yeah. level, though. There's a local yeah. one. Yeah. Just, that's, this, that's a real gang. It's a real, real gang. gang. It's a really great movie. Really great movie. This one is called Stories Forlorn, like lost stories. Um, or not like... Uh, a, like Oh, I don't even know. Like forlorn is like someone who's like abandoned and alone. But um, 
yeah, it's really interesting. It was uh, so different time of life at that time. Man, you, I think you, you lived um, a lot of, a lot of life in Hong Kong compared to us, and that's why I always tell you if I always come to you if I need some sort of suggestion, you always been helpful for me. Um, so, what do you think? What do you think? There's uh, the future now uh, after everything. Probably is going to end. Mm-hmm. Are we going to shift to a near way of living? Do yeah. you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Hong Kong, unfortunately, for better or worse, the old way of life is is changing. It's already changed a lot over the years. But I think the amazing thing about Hong Kong is it always maintains its own energy, its own character. There's a huge amount of creativity here. You look at during this COVID time, right? Um, should be everything is closing and business going bankrupt and everything is over. But instead, like you're seeing like even more places opening. F&B is so many different places. People are like, oh, the rent is cheaper. I'm just going to get my place. Yeah. Lots of designers, lots of young kids doing stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's really an amazing place. You know, I, I love Hong Kong so much. You know, when I grew up here, I live as an international kid in Hong Kong or British kid here. As an adult, I had a more local life here. I worked in Hong Kong. I worked in Prince Edward before I taught myself some Cantonese and so forth. Um, I just think it's an amazing place. And uh, I do feel a little bit, you know, sad and worried for the future. It's not anything very negative, but more like I don't want Hong Kong to become just another city like everywhere else, part of greater uh, Bay Area, a business center. And, you know, I, I really hope that Hong Kong will maintain its unique character, yeah, that yeah. the people, uh, you know, and their way of thinking will carry forward. I, I think there's not many places like this in the whole world. You know, it's uh, we used to say when we were kids, you go overseas during the summer months to visit your family or other things in your home country or when we're at university. And then when you fly back, and you're coming over the harbor, the old day is to kaitak, right? So we come in, go to the mountain, do a crazy turn, come over the building, land on the super short runway, right? But when you come in and you see all the buildings in front of you, and then when the plane door opens and you step out into the roasting hot, humid air and everything, <laughs> it's like you can feel an energy. You can feel something. It's like I'm home, but it's also like more than that, you feel something is going to happen. Something's going on. There's always something here it's so energetic yeah, there's as a always, place you know I think there's always Hong Kong is always super amazing like um, you, you travel around the world it's, it has a different kind of vibe that uh, thing that's what attracts a lot of people from around the world and the way people live here they come for one year two years they're like okay I wanted to move here Yeah, most of them Yeah, most of them it's, it's because of you know the city the, yes. the people around city the food you can count anything you know like this is the city they, and I was just keep on telling people Hong Kong is the only place in the world hopefully I mean probably in the city that you can hike camp swim beach party 24 hour everything everything it's everything, everything and you don't here. have to travel like 3 hour yeah, yeah it's 1 yeah. hour travel you can yeah. literally go anywhere yeah most of the places. Yeah, yeah I, I did a video series for Hong Kong Tourism Board once, and it was like 24 hours in Hong Kong. And we create five different journeys for people with different interests of what they can do in Hong Kong 24 hours if they don't sleep, right? Uh, and it was pretty amazing. Like, even for me, when I really look in detail, I'm like, everything is here, and it's so close. You, you know, know uh, I just, you just remember, you know, um, Anthony Bourdain. The, yeah, the, Anthony the, Bourdain. The, yeah. the, the chef. You should do that kind of <laughs> that kind of uh, um, series, man. You just go to this different places around the world, and then you, see, you eat, and you know, it's so good. I love to. It's man, that guy I is really he's amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was amazing. Sadly, and, and but yeah, he was he was so good. And then I think I see you in that 
not the end, <laughs> but uh, the the things he did um, for the food industry. I think you can be the the perfect person. If you're doing it in Hong Kong, let me know, man. We can go together. We can we can make a um, a video of getting uh, going to different bars, and 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 getting smashed. <laughs> For fun people to get smashed. <laughs> I love to. I mean, we, Auntie Bourdain will get like two million views per episode. We'll get like two views per episode. But I'm still keen. You know what I mean? I love to go again, there, you know? The same thing. I think um, when we start this podcast, also it's not about how many people are gonna watch. It's you know, like I wanted to. I always wanted to have a chat with the people. You know, like I always like to uh, talk to people. But I wanted to invite people in actually and. Recorded and you, let's say maybe we're talking about as you said there is no one documented what happened in in nineteen oh seventy seven like you know in your time same thing we're just documenting what happening right now yes on our conversation and yeah. you go back twenty years later we'll be always there yeah and you look at yourself you're like that motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> that's it man that's, that's it, it. That's so right. I, I want to ask you about can I ask you about your love life yeah <laughs> sure. Sure, How sure, do you sure. meet Yuki? <laughs> How do you meet Yuki? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for those of you who don't know, my uh, my beautiful uh, lady is uh, a famous food blogger here, food and drink uh, blogger. Um, her Instagram is Yuki Mary Rose L. Hopefully, yeah. I got that right. No, recently um, changed the name. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was like something like uh, the Spencer Yuki or something. No, it was for a Valentine oh, Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. See. But it's the real one, is Yuki. Um, Yuki Mary Rosell, yeah. So, how did we meet? Actually, um, I never went into it, but before I used to work in a little bit around filming stuff, I had my own production company, a little bit of talent management, uh, some music stuff, like around, you know, just different things that interest me. Um, and I was working with a particular band at the time uh, called Metro Vocal Group. They're an a cappella band, very talented a cappella uh, band in Hong Kong, Western guys singing a mixture of international music and local music, so including Cantonese and Mandarin songs, including Beyond songs. We had a little bit of a hit with their version of uh, Beyond song before. And um, I was working as their manager at the time, and uh, Yuki was hired to do like PR and marketing for them. And I went to their office the day after they hired her, uh, and I met her for the first time, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to date this girl. And she said I was staring at her so, like, weirdly, like, yeah, the whole yeah. time we were having a meeting and everything, I was just, that. like, staring at her. And um, after that, I started going to their office, like, every day before, I like, maybe once every two weeks. And I was going, going, going after a while. And she was, like, kind of like, oh, my God, who is this weirdo? And he keep coming here all the time. And, like, he's very annoying. And he hang out even after they left and keep talking to me. And then one day after a while, I was like, okay, I'm going to ask her out. So I just asked her out. And she was like, no, definitely <laughs> not. I'm not going to go on a date with you. I was like, oh, how, do you how feel? sad. So you then sad? I found out. Sad? I was super sad. Right? I was like, but I, I, just, I just try again, right? So then I found out we have a lot of mutual friends, and she loves live music. I love live music. And there's a certain bar, Peel Fresco, where I used to hang out she sings years as well. ago. She sings, she sings very well. And um, and so I just start going back to those old haunts. I used to recontact my old friend that know her and just make myself around all the time, right? And after a while, she loosened up a little bit and let me join her for some events and stuff, but no one-on-one hanging out. And then I asked her out again, and she said, no, no way. I would never date you. I don't like you. I don't find you attractive. Don't bother me. And I was like, okay, cool. 
So then I just carry on and keep trying. And eventually we did go for some dinners. You know, and then I asked her out again. And then she was like, absolutely not. I don't even like you at all. You're so annoying. And continued like that for, I think it was 18 months, about one and a half wow. years. Yeah. And reject me formally five or six times very clearly and directly and uh, informally like many more times, you know, just discouraging me and telling her friends and telling me you're like, I'm not going to give up. I'm I'm the guy who traveled walking without the shoes, man. (laughs) This one, I don't know why, but this girl, I got this feeling is for me. So I just, you know. Um, and yeah, and eventually after one and a half years, she said yes. And now we've been together for almost 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. Yes, it's a good Thank story. You. Good story. And it's a real story. This is real the one. Story. This is yeah. the one. This is the good yeah. one. Yeah, all the others are fake. This is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the 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 without shoes one. Yeah, yeah. it's true. <laughs> I mean, get, you should get my friend Calvin on the show. He's amazing. Yeah, guy. I know. He's I met him. He's, I met him once. He's triple platinum producer in London, yeah. certified, I right? And he had many top. You got to think of it as a half African, half white guy in Hong Kong with a bunch of top ten hits in Asia. Yeah. You know? It's, uh, but anyway, he, he backed me up on the no shoes. <laughs> no shoes, fun, right? Um, so yeah, uh, so you guys been together for uh, for eleven years. What do you think? How do you think? How do you how do you tell a younger generation about like you know like you met the ladies? I think it's happened to me as well when I I've been married for eleven years. Yeah, same. Uh, you just know, right? Yeah. Should we look for it or you just know? No. But because I mean, you know, nowadays I do also a free advice on. If someone's looking for boyfriend, girlfriend, I give them advice as well. Yeah, that's my... <laughs> that's my... You know, I, I think there's two different feelings, right, for me, if I look back, right? There's, I feel attracted to a girl because she was pretty or whatever. Yeah. And there's that feeling of like a fire inside, yeah. a different kind of feeling, right? And, of course, you're going to be attracted to that person too. And sometimes the feelings might get a little mixed up together. But there's a kind of a different feeling, right? It's like... Um, you know, if I was in a bar club years ago and I saw a beautiful girl and I thought, oh, I really yeah, want to talk yeah, to her, yeah. I'll go and try and chat her up and, and maybe we end up dating for a little bit or maybe not, right? Um, and that's it and it's fine. And if she reject me, I, I won't mind and I'll move on with my life, right? But like something like what happened with Yuki is like um, I saw her and I just, I couldn't even process, I wouldn't say I was always love at first sight or anything so complicated. I just look at her and I have this feeling like I can't, Stop looking at her. When I go home, I couldn't stop thinking about her. I want to call her, get her number and call her right away. I don't even know her. And I just wanted to hang out with her. It was so funny. And then, you know, when I talk to her more, when I get to know her more, I just, everything is just fits me perfectly. She's it's great. like, She's I don't great. know what it is. It was almost like an instinct that let me know yeah. this is going to work. This is going to work so good. And we have so much of the same interests. We have so much of the same things we enjoy, but we are totally different people, which is kind of perfect because like... She always tells me she's an introvert, which I contend is still a lie till now, but she's... No, you know. no, she, she, she is not, I think, um, you know, I, I know her, like, we actually, we brother and sister uh, relationship we is now, right now. <laughs> um, she is not the person who's going to go and talk first. Yes. That is for so sure. So true. Yeah, that's Very true. Sure. And, and she likes staying home and she has a lot of interest. She's very funny, right? Because she is social and she works in food and drink industry. And she's, as I say, quite famous influencer. But she loves to go home and do like stitching stuff or like really like old people's thing. Like, sorry, Yuki. You know, <laughs> but she enjoyed this focus thing, you know, drawing, painting. And, you know, and me, I love to be out and socialize all the time yeah, and yeah. be around people. But like I said, we have the same interests and totally different approach. And it just matched so well. 
and we can talk about anything. And I think this is the key. I learned this from my parents. My parents married for 53 years. Uh, and in my wider family, uh, Irish family is very big, right? Like my mom and dad's uh, families, they come from like eight brothers, sisters, this kind of thing. So many cousins, like hundreds of cousins. In my wider family, there's never been a divorce. No divorces in our family ever, right? And I think the reason is very simple is that uh, my parents are very traditional Irish people. Most of my cousins too. They just communicate a lot, right? So they would have fights. They'd be very emotional. get very crazy. Yeah. Things are wrong. But they always communicate. And they have those old-fashioned points of view like don't let the sun go down in an argument. Actually, the sun did go down because they're drinking till 2 a.m. But, you know, but technically. So before sleep, every night, they would, talk, they would sit on, you know, on, on a balcony or in a room or in a garden or anything they can find and sit together and just talk every single night, every night for like 53 years, just talk, talk, talk. And what happens if you communicate always and every day and you always make sure to have that, then even if you had a bad day, a good day, you had a fight, you had a wonderful time, you, you're going to solve every problem and... On the good days when it's great, you're going to maximize the joy and the, the love, right? So, um, yeah, I think it's it just it's makes a good sense. Yeah, if, if whoever listening, they gotta they gotta talk. If is there any problem, just talk, right? Yeah, ask them, just talk. Yeah, uh, but how what how do you what is you um, so do you do meditation? Um, no, but when I was younger, oh, I saw. I have a very odd life. So I never mentioned, but I did live in a lot of different countries. I also had like a period where I was like, what is the meaning of life? What is yeah, the... Yeah, 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 yeah. So I am... Um, what is know, the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? Let me, let me, let me say it. What is the meaning of life? <laughs> 42. <laughs> what is that? It's from Hitchhiker's Guide to <laughs> Galaxy. You have to watch it. It's amazing. <laughs> they solved the meaning of life. It's 42 is the answer. Okay. Anyway. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> um... But yeah, no, I, you know, I went to this period where I was like really trying to find something and find what's going on in the world. And so I, I joined a lot of different religions. And I mean, I was very serious. Yeah. Like I got baptized. I used to wake up in the morning, read Bible at 6 a.m. every morning. I go pray in the park and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I didn't throw myself as deeply, but I studied very carefully in Buddhism, Taoism. I bought a copy of the Quran. I read it, you know, back to front a couple of times. I, you know, I engaged with a lot of different people. I tried to understand there. Then I went very spiritual, learned how to read tarot cards. I learned how to, you know, I, I did a lot of meditation, wake up every morning, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. I went like super hardcore. Vegetarian. So you did that? Yeah, yeah. How old were you at that time? Like, how, what, is, what was your age? Start from about 19 and then I would go back and forth between being a very normal guy and being a very, like, crazy and one-way guy up till about 32, 33. You know, I would just have period. So, like, um, like, I went super hardcore vegan back in the day, like, even more than vegan, like, where every item I ate, I need to know where it comes from, that is super fresh produced, ideally should be from a farm or special produced this. I wouldn't, like, I would eat, like, you know, spelt bread and sprouted grains and everything, right? Uh, for about a year and a half. I quit drinking twice in my life, once for three and a half years, once for a year and a half. I went through long meditation periods, or, you know. But like after, you know, and what it was, I read the story of Buddha, right? So yeah. you think of the guy like, um, uh, you know, he was originally a prince, right? Uh, uh, Gautama, I forget his original name and later changed it to Buddha. And he was one of the Kshatriya, the prince class in India. Uh, and no, he's not from India. Okay, we'll say he's from Nepal, but in those days, is uh, you know whatever is uh, <laughs> no, from it, this it's, area. It's, well, yeah, it's, it's from Nepal. 
Okay, literally, from literally we can uh, cycle the, from uh, uh, my uh, Lumini. Lumini, yeah. okay. Um, and then, you know, he, uh, he had this incredible life where he, he started by trying to indulge himself, right? Eating, drinking, maximizing everything. And then later he, uh, he went into a very ascetic life, you know, really almost starving himself and having such a bare lifestyle. And then under the Bodhi tree, he found the middle path, right? The, you know, so I always thought to myself, like, if I go to the extreme and I try everything, maybe I can find the right answer in the middle of it all, right? And I think in the end, I never found the answer. Like, I tried a lot of things. But what I did do is I found more of myself. Does it make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. in those times, I was trying to find something outside and really, really trying hard and pushing myself. And later, I just found a satisfaction inside that I yeah, didn't feel I need to find anything anymore. The question I ask you this one, because uh, uh, I, I see you always as as like this. You know, you don't have a, uh, your makeup on. You're not going to be a person who's going to be, okay, let's talk to this guy because he's popular. Let's not talk to this guy because he's no one. And uh, you always keep that, always. No, I'm just. I'm not talking about like when we drinking. When you are, you always keep that. How you? How, you know, you were talking about energy. The Hong Kong has that energy. When you get here, you feel that, that that's why you have that kind of energy. Like you give that vibe to people. You know, you you welcoming. You you crack some jokes around, and I don't know. You know, jokes can be sometimes uh, like I do a lot of jokes, man. My jokes are bad. I have to tell you. I have to do. <laughs> I have been banned to make a joke on anything uh, with a lot of people, but it's, again, me. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> yeah, but you do a lot of jokes as well. The first time I met you also making a joke about the Gorkas and stuff. So sorry, man. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm risking my life just to make a funny joke, Is you know? making a joke about, uh, you know, like Nepalese and the, you, you know a lot of Nepalese people, yeah. but you have that. So this is it. Um, Where do you get this from? Like you do uh, meditation, you do like a, a hundred pull up or every morning. Like hey, when I was a kid, I used to do a hundred pull up every day. That's a fact. It's a fact. You can't believe it. You look There's at me no now. <laughs> it sounds so crazy. I'll go down to the bus stop to get the school bus, and I arrive early, and there was a very strong pipe made of metal, really strong. And I would count and do a hundred pull up every day for years, for like four or five years. I have no idea why. I just it was like a thing. I used to be very into working out in gym many many years ago. But to answer your question, like um, when I was a kid, I wanted to help everybody. It's really weird. Like every kid's different, right? And like my brother's very sporty. He wanted to win a lot of sport games. And uh, my sister's very arty and, and very uh, sophisticated in a way. And I was just, I wanted to be people's friend. But more than that, I wanted to help people. I hated seeing a poor person, a person in difficulty, a person in pain. I hated it. I wanted to help. And... I tried to help out some kids at school, but maybe I didn't pick the best kids to help, right? Some kids struggling with his schoolwork, I tried to help him out because I thought I'm being helpful. Then he would just say, do the schoolwork for me, right, or something. And then um, uh, I kind of didn't manage myself very well. I ended up getting bullied a lot. Uh, but I didn't. I wasn't upset that I was bullied. I was upset that I couldn't sort things out, right? I couldn't figure out a better way to do it. And then also in those days, you know, a lot of the English kids were very big and strong. And uh, most of my friends, or a lot of my friends were like, you know, Korean, Indian, uh, local Chinese, different things like that. And sometimes I didn't like that the big, strong kids would pick on them and push them around. So I try to push back or insert myself in the middle. And then they got me beaten up a lot more. And it was kind of awkward. Then I made myself a bit tougher. And then I start fighting kids. But I was like forgetting who I was. I, I just really wanted to help people, right? So later, when I changed and went to French school and they gave me some freedom, I met some good people. 
and I, I got my confidence back and I knew a bit more and I just started going out and making friends and I found out just by like being welcoming, uh, being uh, supportive of people and giving like like giving them energy, giving them support, making yeah. them feel good. Yeah. So, and, you know, so, so there's, no, uh, there's no uh, secret meditation. I didn't meditate. I told you I read Bible every day. I meditate. I read the Quran. So I don't know. Like maybe it helped. Maybe it didn't. So yeah, no, I mean that's the whole idea. Like that's I. I think I keep on telling. To only twenty two is my um, year. My goal is to you know like uh, stay away from uh, um, negative people. Although I say always negative people, but I don't know who is negative man. I have a theory on this, by the I way. I don't know who is negative. I, people. I have a theory on this, and I started thinking about it recently. Right, the days when you feel the worst, when you don't think you can face up things, you stress at work, you stress at whatever. Your energy is low, yeah. right? You feel low energy. Yeah. Physically, our bodies are a combustion machine, right? We take in oxygen and carbon and we burn it up and we use it to create like energy, electricity, different things that power our body, right? Uh, we break down uh, amino acids and, and turn them into energy, right? Basically, we're like an, an engine, a carbon engine, right? But on a more um, outside of it, not thinking of physical body, like, there's a concept of energy among people, right? And I found that um, when you feel full of energy and you feel good, you can bring happiness and a smile to anyone. Anyone, you can, you know, right? anyone, right? And the trick is, it's like, you know, the people who have calm but large energy that make you feel good. When I'm around people, I feel great. When I see them, I feel amazing. People who don't have enough energy, they're either negative or they're kind of clinging on and dragging people down. Even they're nice, but you just feel like, drank down when you talk to them right and i think you know building up your own energy managing your energy see and you know it helps you do everything better when i think about coming to tell camellia i know i'm going to walk in the door i'm a seeker again i'm excited to see him i'm gonna give a big hug i'm i'm just going to be every minute it's going to be great i meet people new people old people and i'm going to enjoy all of it and talk to them and i'm so excited every single time even if i go every day i will feel so excited every single time right um and it's just yeah i just feel like i i I build myself up or i live up to a certain kind of life where i have good energy i do the things i enjoy i drink coffee when i want to drink coffee i take a walk when i want to take a walk i read a book when i want to read a book when i have to do things like work i do my best every single time put every piece of energy and effort into it and when i interact with people you know i try to care about the interaction i'm not just oh i have to talk so you know i actually Every call, every face-to-face meeting, when I go to the restaurant and order like a lunch at Tantang, meal number A, you know, I try to give a shit about the 22 seconds of communication I had with the waiter, even if he's angry with me because I didn't order quick enough. For me, I try to, it's meaningful, you know? And whether I'm going to drink like a milk tea and add my own sugar, or I'm going to ask for a tata where it comes with condensed milk already in it that's sweet, this is like means a difference, right? Today I'm going to have the condensed milk that I only have once every three weeks when I have my afternoon tea meal that already made me happy and gives me energy and makes me feel good and that I can do better in life, you know? So, yeah. So, I mean, the whole idea is like you don't do anything, but you just you build up that way. So every like, moment, know, every, every moment decision is meaningful, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. When I came here tonight and I'm tuning this whiskey, I spend like 20, 30 minutes thinking about it. I have a whole shelf of whiskeys in my house, right? Yeah. And I just, but I'm not thinking like debating, like being scientific. Oh, it must be. It's more like 
what feels right, what feels good in life, what's going to bring the most happiness to everybody around the table tonight or tomorrow. You know, yeah. it's like, um, yeah, I, I always, like I said, it, just which type of tea I'm going to drink or whether I'm going to walk left or right when I come out of my house, if I'm not required to do anything, it, it already makes a difference. Like to me, a lot of meditation is refocusing. So when you're living your life, you notice what's going on and you care about what's going on, you know. Uh, but maybe even without being that formal, like the smallest thing, if I go to Circle K and I want to get a a chocolate bar, whether I got an almond Snickers or a regular Snickers, it's already a big decision for me. When I got <laughs> almond Snickers and I bite it and I'm, oh my God, the taste is so delicious. It's like, I mean, I know it's junk, it's crap, but it still made me so happy for that one moment when I bite it, you know, it's like. So you just enjoy the moment. Yeah, always. And, and, and notice the moment, everything about it, right? Like when we drink a good drink, we smell it, we taste it, we take our time, we, we care, right? But when you eat a McDonald's French fry, did you bother to care or are you just stuffing your face and don't care, right? Yeah. Actually, I rarely eat French fries. I do eat McDonald's a bit too much, but I almost never eat French fries. Every time I get French fries, I always get the small one. I put a little bit of extra salt, which is really awful and it's going to kill me. But every fry I pick up when it's hot and fresh, and I eat it. Remember being like an eight-year-old kid sitting in the uh, boat in Repulse Bay McDonald's eating those fries. That first time, that first flavor is, just means so much. I love it. You know, yeah. even it's corny and nasty, and and it's not good for the world. But but at least the experience. I think you have to you have to be aware. You have to be conscious and enjoy it. You don't have to think about being aware. You don't have to put effort in. But just you know. Uh, like practice a little bit and then once you get it just enjoy your life all the time you know? and I also see one more thing a very important um, that I notice uh, with you that you uh, you know a lot of stuff that's obvious of course uh, as Spencer but on top of that you never let you don't look people down like you know you never go to ah oh, no you don't know let me tell you oh you don't know let me tell you don't do that how, how, how can you manage that as well so Being humble, but in a way, you know, sometimes people will tell you nicely also, you know what, you don't know, man. Let me let me explain to you. I know better than you. They don't say I know better than you, but I'm sure there's a thousand people around me, man, who knows better than me. Um, no, I'm guaranteed. But that people is going to tell you, you don't know. Let me, you know, let me tell you. And But for you, like you said, okay, you're just going to, you, you, you bring the conversation is around, you're like you make you, end of the you make people realize, if you don't know, let me <laughs> tell you, but not right away on the face. How do you manage to do that as well? Man? That's a skills, you know. I want to learn in, uh, in five minutes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was in my British school uh, early, I told you I didn't enjoy it that much. One of the things I didn't enjoy is you sit in a room, 35 kids, and the teacher talks, and you listen, you take notes, you do your homework, and that's it. It's like you're paid to listen, but not to think. Actually, you're not paid. You pay them to listen. And I always thought it was strange. I'm like... This is not a good way to learn, right? Because, yeah, I learn it because I have to and I listen the best I can make myself pay attention and I pass the exam and get a good mark or a bad mark. But when I look at the kids at school, I didn't think anyone was stupid, right? Like they were like, oh, these are the smart kids, this is stupid. No, I thought there's just the kids who are either interested or who somehow found the way to be able to listen and the kids who are just like, this is so boring and their mind is elsewhere, right? So, you know, I, I don't really think about like whether I know more or less, I just think I knew something. And if in that moment there's a reason or an interest to share the something I, I knew, then why not, right? Yeah. Like 
Earlier today, you gave me this cocktail, which I didn't talk about, and I'm doing product placement. You said it's from the famous Vesper Bar in Thailand, and you didn't tell me what it was, but I read it on the uh, bottle when you displayed it for two seconds as a Baccarat Gimlet. Uh, Gimlet is an amazing drink, uh, one of my favorites, a really old classic cocktail. Um, and th these kind of things stand out to me. They mean something to me, right? I care about the whiskey. I care about the cocktails. I hang out your place because I know you put so much heart and craft and effort and you're able to produce a product that is of a higher level than so many other people around the world, right? So I want to come and pay my respects. I also want to enjoy it, right? If I had the chance to talk to people about that and share that information with them, I would definitely want to do it. Yeah, but yeah. I don't have any interest to prove someone else wrong or correct someone, right? Like sometimes people feel very strongly that they know something and maybe it's wrong or maybe you feel it's wrong or maybe you have a different point of view. But the first thing I think when, when I encounter that situation is, is there any benefit in proving this person wrong? Like if it's a harmless information and they got it a little bit off track, then maybe it's better for them to feel happy and confident and good sharing that information with their friends, talk about it. Maybe they're an arrogant, proud person, yeah. but it gives them strength, you know. Let them go, never mind. But if it's something they would like to know or they would like to expand their knowledge or maybe they made a small error and they're the kind of person that would care to, to correct that small error and learn a bit more, then I would love to share that knowledge if I have it. Yeah. And vice versa, you know, People said, I know a lot of stuff, but it's always useless stuff. It's never useful to me. It doesn't teach me to get rich. doesn't teach me to start a company. It's just stupid things. But I love learning it. I really love learning about life, and I feel like I'm a student of life. Um, and for, you know, You're almost a teacher of life. I don't want to say it. And it's not humble. It really feels embarrassing to even think. It feels wrong to think like that. Everyone is a student of life. They're just people in different stages of the journey in different areas, right? But for me, like... When you talk about it, you learn a lot. Yeah, I read a lot. I research a lot. But I'm not researching for benefit. I'm not researching so I can tell someone. I'm researching because I'm genuinely interested. And so much of the learning is actually not reading. It's actually meeting people and learning from people, right? Sometimes I go home to read afterwards to make sure I understood correctly or verify a certain thing or whatever. But really, so much of the learning is from meeting people. You know, If I don't meet people and listen to what they tell me, then... I'm not really going to learn a lot. So even though I talk a lot, I'm a very talkative person, as everyone can tell from here, I do listen very carefully when, whenever anyone's telling me anything. And if they're teaching me something, I'll focus my attention to try and understand it and pick it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you made a, a, a very great uh, sentence just right, just right now. But I was into it, so I just I was going, oh, that is so good. You just, what, is, what did you say that? Don't worry, you recorded the, the it so you can check later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Everyone's the, a student of life, but we're of, just different stages. Student, student of life. Yeah. Damn, man. That, that's pretty uh, touchy. That's, everyone is a student of life. was in a different stage. A different stage in different areas, right? Yeah. So maybe I'm like a good student of life in this particular area that I know some about, like... Uh, uh, gemstones or polishing rocks or weird things like that. I know some stuff about that. I don't know why. The composition of granite, right? It's useless, but I've, I've, you know, but other people are great students of life in other areas, right? And, and it's just, I think it's just important to enrich ourselves and the things we find interesting. Don't waste your time, you know, don't, don't fritter your life away. Make the most of it and enrich yourself so every minute can be a little bit more valuable, a little bit more meaningful, right? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then also one more thing that you mentioned, that you don't study 
things to just to tell some to be a cool in front of some people, right? That's actually some people do that. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people learn things so they could be like, well, yeah. actually, yeah. it even happened to me. I'll be like, well, and you know, I'd be talking about some bullshit. I'd say, oh, back in 1983, and some guy will be like. Actually, it was 1984, 15th of February. And I'm like, did you spend your whole life studying facts so you could tell someone that? I'm like, I'm like cool, I'll try to remember that. Maybe I remember, maybe I did it. Maybe I said 1983 again or maybe. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any point in gathering knowledge just to... Impress people. Yeah, or reinforce your position in the world or whatever. Like, do it because it's useful or do it because you care. You know, other than that, it's, you know, like we don't need to know everything, but it's good to know the things we care about and get a bit of understanding of them. And like I said, it, it enriches your own life. You know, of course, if I drink this cocktail, it would taste the same whether I know something about it or whether I don't. But when I understand how much craft and difficulty went into it, it somehow means something more. Take something like green chartreuse, right? Anyone who's a bartender loves green chartreuse and any normal human being hates it and finds it disgusting. But when you know the history of green chartreuse and how much effort, like hundreds of years of perfecting this recipe and the number of herbals and florals and made on a mountain by monks with, you know, I mean, this thing has more history than most of us know about our own family or our own countries or whatever. Just this one thing in a bottle that you could buy in a supermarket. And yeah. people don't even think. It they just, took a sip and said, oh, it's oh, too strong. Time, you know, yeah. like, it's amazing. Like, human beings worked together for hundreds of years to make, to make this product. bottle. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's, you know, um, yeah, I mean, so I think, like. It's not in the craftsmanship. I think it's more on also the dedication. I think dedication. Is this some of them also, they don't talk? Yeah. So, okay. So, and I don't remember if, Trump, if, uh if those particular monks are them, but basically it's Trappist monks. So it's a subsidiary of maybe Dominica, I can't remember. But Trappist monks typically take a vow of silence, not for their whole life. I think it's usually about three years. And during that time, they don't talk at all. And very often the people who are doing the physical making, whether it's beer or wine or whatever, are often the ones who are in the midst of that vow of silence in the earlier part of their years as a monk. So, yeah, I mean... That's like, especially we hear a lot now about Belgian beers, Trappist beers, right? Trappist beers and some great wines. The people who made this amazing beer again with hundreds of years of history have not spoken to another human being for maybe several months, maybe several years. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. It's just crazy, it's, it's, right? It's crazy. It's crazy um, that how people dedicate their life to build something, to one thing, let's not. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think getting back to the one serious question that I always want to ask, I never ask you actually, you know who's Matt Life? <laughs> you know who's Matt Life? Buddy? <laughs> you don't know who's Matt Life? You don't know the, the Conor McGregor, the UFC, the, the fighter, man. Conor McGregor? Yeah. They call him Matt Life. Yeah, he's Instagram. Angry Irish guy, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's fun. He's like a... Oh, I better not say he'll come beat me up. But you're Man, he's like he's a man. You know, um, he, he's a he, he's a, why I wanted to ask him because you seem you from Irish, but you don't have that strong accent that, and you don't have that kind of behavior for sure. This guy is, this guy is, athletic, but he enjoys his life and he's proud of it. Some people have to. Yeah, I need the yeah. boys room. Very badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, please, please, unfiltered. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Unfiltered. We're gonna, we're gonna cut this off. <laughs> no, we're not gonna cut this off. By the way, we're just gonna cut. You're going to washroom. Yeah. A few moments later. All right. So, uh, 
we are back to our uh, Mac Live thing. Welcome back. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Um, hope you enjoy. So yeah, uh, why I was gonna talk about him because he's oh <laughs> because he's the guy actually who who lives his life. He work hard, but also um, you know like promote in social media. He's, he, he's crazy. He's just like he do all the crazy stuff. Uh, so I want to say like. One of the reasons I always felt very proud to be Irish, right? And, and people nowadays, like, they, they have a, a misconception. They think, like, you know, oh, everyone from UK is the same, you know, Welsh, Irish, Northern Irish, Scottish. And then if you're really from, you know, Southern Ireland, it's a totally different thing. People don't realize. But, you know, I, I feel like Irish people have their own character, history, culture, totally different background. And a lot of... Um, you know, living in Ireland is about celebrating life, but in a simple way. Like, I don't think they would define it in such a complicated way, like yeah. such an American way. They just get on with things, but they are um, they can put up with a lot of hardship and difficulty. They care about their family so much. They really love their family, and they care about their friends. They're very social, and they want to have the most out of it. They want to enjoy every moment, you know. They love to dance and sing. They, they like to fight as well. When I was a kid and we go back to Ireland, we always get in fights, but we don't feel bad about it. We just have a fight, and then we're, you know, cool afterwards, no big deal. Um, it's a very celebratory culture. You know, when someone passes, like in Ireland, we often talk about celebration of life and telling stories and laughing. Um, it's not those let the world pull you down, be so serious. And they don't focus so much on like money and stuff. Like, of course, everybody wants to make money and be successful. But I remember when um, when the European Union first started taking their statistics, they conduct all these different surveys. And when Ireland joined the European Union, they were the poorest country in Western Europe. And it's mostly Western European countries then. So I think they were the poorest country in West in European Union, but they were the happiest. And then later they got rich, and at some stage they became the richest country in European Union for a while per, per capita, not total wealth, per person, and they were still the happiest. And the, the point I took out of that is that it's not like they were happy when they were poor and the miserable when they're rich, or happy when they're rich and miserable when they're poor. They were happy didn't matter if they were rich or poor. Their happiness is not happy. based on that. I know? think we can see that on you. You always live the life. I think that's a very important thing. As you... <laughs> It's stuck in my mind. You want even a buying a chocolate is a big thing for you. Really <laughs> a big thing. I don't buy chocolate very often, and when I buy it, I'm like, it's a very, especially casual chocolate. I eat it the least, unless I'm in UK. Then I eat it a lot because the chocolate in UK is really good. The cheap, nasty supermarket shelf chocolate is great. Actually, buy from news agent. But um, in Hong Kong, I rarely buy chocolate. So if I go to buy a Mars bar, it's a very big deal for me. It's like I'm at home. I'm working. It's usually late at night, 10, 11 o'clock. I'm doing my thing. And suddenly I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like a Mars bar. I haven't had a Mars bar in six months or whatever. And then I'll go and I buy a Mars bar and I take that first. I take it back home. I never had a Mars bar. Yeah, I don't I don't eat cho- sweets. Uh, so... <laughs> I mean, that's a conversation killer right away. You know? I don't even know what to say. Is this part of your Buddhist meditation? Told you don't eat sweets or something? No, no, no just, I just it did never, um, never get um, into my my any of us in our family. We don't really eat uh, sweets. You don't like it, or you just don't eat it. It's just too much, man. It's that when you add the one bite of chocolate, it just goes you. It just make you feel like that. Oh my god! So then, I have a suggestion for you, Mister Kagan, yeah. to change your life, right? So then, of course, that makes sense, right? Um, in which case, I would say, 
once in a blue moon, you should buy one piece of chocolate, just one piece, not a bar like a Mars bar, yeah. just one piece, and something really crazy and delicious, like a C's candy scotch mallow bar, but just buy the, the single chocolate, not the whole bar, and just go and eat that one bite with a strong coffee, and I'm yeah, gonna it's going to be too much. For sure, it's going to be too much. You might even feel a little bit sick afterwards, but... It will feel so much joy in that first bite and so much flavor and so many things go and you'll remember it for months, yeah, I don't even, maybe years. I don't even know. drink um, coffee or tea with sugar at all. Me too. Me too. I don't drink coffee or tea with sugar. Oh, no, I lied. I drink tea with sugar. I don't drink uh, coffee at all. <laughs> Again, uh, so that's the thing. Anyways, man, I think we have done the uh, great, great conversation over here. It's going to be in a, you know, even we won't be here one day. It's going to be there forever. I think YouTube or in our... Uh, the secret archive in a royal family. <laughs> I, I watch YouTube from heaven. You know, thank you, thank you for coming, uh, Spencer. I wanted to tell you um, again. If if I wanted to have people around the world, more people. I wanted people have. Uh, I wanted people. I want to have people like you more around everyone. You you are you are a great person. You always um, been there for us, especially for me as well. You always um, have a great um, you know uh, suggestions. And a great conversation that you have always inspired me in a in different way. And today you came over here. We had a, usually we do one hour. Today we have like one and a half hours. We also say that. But I think that's because you went for a toilet, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you. And if you want to say something before, uh, before we finish, if you have anything that you wanted to. Yeah. I'd firstly, thank you so much, Gagana, for all the nice words. And uh, I think to finish, I would just say, guys, go to Tel Camellia. Let's hang out there. Let's make it seriously. And let's make friends. And, you know, we bring people all the time, meet new people there. And that's where dreams are made, you know. Let's, uh, well, I, wanted to go, uh, I wanted to go Ireland. That's one thing that, yeah, was, yeah, that, man. Is, that is definitely going to happen. We'll make that happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. And we'll, we'll pop in on Mac Live, say hello. And yeah, it'll be good, man. his restaurant. What is that restaurant? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he have a restaurant. I heard. He just man, this guy posts all this stuff. Like, I don't understand. Is it real? It's real. It's real. He's, He's real. real. He's real, yeah. He's real, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, man. All right. Cool. Thank you.